This is the BearCast, presented by Bird Culture Ford. Bird Culture Ford has been in Waco since 1936. Ford is the number one selling truck in Texas, 43 years running. The BearCast is also presented by WellMed Medical Management and USMD Health System Dallas. Here's Craig Smoke and Grayson Grundhafer. And welcome in. Good afternoon on this Tuesday, June the 13th. Time for a brand new edition of the BearCast on Sikkim365.com. Baylor Athletics on Sikkim365, the YouTube channel. Please hit like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. And I am Craig Smoke, joined as always by Grayson Grundhafer. Got a full cast and crew behind the scenes as well with Jack, Garrett, and Graham. And a full lineup of stories to talk about with you over the next hour as well. But uh, first things first, Grayson, a uh, busy week with the first official visits this past weekend. And obviously a lot of uh, activity that we will get to, uh, a player in, a player out, um, and a few things in between. But uh, how you doing this week, man? I'm doing good. It was actually the first camp as well this weekend. So I was out there um, from about 8 a.m. till 1. And the crazy part is, you know, this summer has been not that hot. And then, of course, Saturday was like 102 degrees out there. It was a crazy day. A lot of fun, though. I enjoy going to those camps. A lot of offers went out. So, in general, that's always fun for me to cover. And like you said, official visits gives me a lot to kind of talk about and really just do some work um, and try to figure out kind of what's going on, where Baylor's heading um, recruiting-wise. And obviously, you know, anytime there's attrition, um, it adds more intrigue to that as well, especially as you're trying to round out a roster. Yeah, so uh, speaking of intrigue, there's been a lot of that around the quarterback spot and what's going to happen there. And that's gone from, you know, last year and then into this year and so on and so forth. But uh, they've got one commit that they've uh, pulled from this past weekend. Uh, there were a lot of, I noticed, like 25 and 26 offers that were going out. Um, so there was a lot of that activity and just players on campus in general. And we'll get into uh, just, you know, simply what you saw or heard or kind of what the, the vibe of the weekend was. But I do think it's important to start off when you get a big quarterback commit to talk about that first. And that's exactly what happened for the Bears as Adam Schobel uh, gave his pledge to Baylor uh, on Sunday, uh, becoming the uh, what the the latest commit for the class of 2025, the first the commit for the yeah. class of 2025. As uh, I start to really, man, as I get older, I start to lose track of where we are because the numbers start to get it. Just like yeah. we're talking about 2025, like it's just it's weird, man. But yeah, first commit for the class of 2025. Uh, they're working on the class of 2024 right now. Mm-hmm. It's currently the summer of 2023, so you can see where it starts to get a little bit jumbled. But Adam Schobel, uh, Columbus High School here in Texas. His father, uh, a TCU uh, alum, and uh, his mother also uh, a TCU Horn Frog. So we kind of, you know, played with his father a little bit when he was on the show about that, like, uh, like. You know, you cool with this? You sure that you're cool with your son going and playing for Baylor? And he, he admitted that if this was more during the Art Browse years when things were really hot and heavy, that maybe. Yeah. And he said it jokingly. Like, maybe they would have been like, I don't know about that. But they love the staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, to me, was by far the biggest takeaway. His dad's his coach. Uh, Columbus a good program. And, uh, yeah, Adam Schobel, the class of 2025, getting things started off and at a very important position that, as we know, following Baylor has been – Hit or miss, uh, depending on you know when you're looking at it. But what are your thoughts on uh, the big splash over the weekend? Yeah, I mean, you talked about the coaches, and that was one thing that he kind of pointed out when I talked to him uh, kind of immediately after he gave his commitment to Baylor. A couple things that he said. It uh, just felt like home. The coaches, the town, everything felt right. I think that's a pretty big statement, being that I'm sure, you know, with his family going to TCU, he grew up a TCU fan, but he comes to Waco, loves it. The coaches, like you mentioned, Sean Bell, Jeff Grimes, Dave Aranda, uh, all three of those guys in particular, uh, he's built really good relationships with and I think another big part of this is the offensive scheme that Baylor runs I think they see what Jeff Grimes has built on the offensive side and I think they really believe that that's what will translate to the NFL the ability to run play action the schemes that they use the routes that their receivers run the throws that he'll be asked to make at the college level fit more of what you need to be an NFL quarterback so I think all of that together really made this I guess somewhat of an easy decision for him And something that I posted on the board that I'm sure a lot of people will be wondering, 
um, because of what happened with Austin Novosad, because of what happened with Zach Pyron the year before. Um, in quotes, take this for what you will. He said, I'm shutting it down. No more visits or anything like that. Take that for what you will. It is June. He still has 18 months to make a decision before he actually signs. But at this point, very much locked into the Baylor program. I don't think he would have given his commitment if he wasn't locked in. I don't think his dad would have allowed him to give a commitment unless he was really, really sold uh, on the program. So, yeah, that's kind of where it was at as far as quotes, the reasons why he made this decision. Getting to see practices in March, I think, definitely helped. He visited then, got to see uh, the players getting coached by these coaches, see their coaching style, and just get a feel for kind of what a normal day in the life is like uh, for the Baylor players. And I think that was huge for him, which allowed him to come back uh, to camp this weekend and really just feel very confident in his decision. So Adam Schobel from Columbus High School, uh, the first pledge for 2025, great size, six foot four, um, over 180 pounds. Uh, so he's got a little bit of uh, that mass already to him. It can always add a bit more. His father said that, that he could get up into like the 200, you know, 205, whatever they might need him to do range. But uh Houston's already offered, uh, Oklahoma State's already offered, Texas State, uh, Sam Houston State, uh, let's see here, UTSA also. Uh, when I think of UTSA, you know, obviously they know what they're doing uh, a lot of the time when it comes to offensive skill players. Yeah, I always like their evaluations. A lot of people kind of follow their lead, it seems like. Uh, Texas State with G.J. Kinney and that crew now, they know offense and the quarterback position. Um, Oklahoma State and Gundy, you're going to trust his eval. Same thing, Holgerson and, and Houston. So a lot of uh, – that's what I noticed was a lot of pretty smart offensive minds had already pursued him. And as his father said, there's going to be more schools that they anticipate come after him. Uh, but I, I forget exactly the way he worded it, but basically the gist of it was of like how many you know visits can you take or how many um, – you know, people can you meet, or, or it was something along those lines that basically indicated that, like, yeah, we get that there's going to be more people that come our way, but there's just something really special, and they know that about the uh, the bond with Baylor. So they're going to have to wait a long time. They're going to have to fend off challengers and suitors, and that's part of the deal. But uh, ultimately, it feels like this is something to celebrate, and uh, hopefully a lot of people have, and uh, it sure appears like on the board that the people are fired up about this. Yeah, and to clarify things, remember, this is June – 10th was when he gave his commitment, right? I think it was three days ago, whatever. It's June 13th, middle of June, going into his junior year. So he hasn't really had the opportunity to gain as many offers as he possibly could. Mm -hmm. This camp season was going to be big for him. You know, if he shows up at a TCU camp, might get an offer. And then from there, oh, all these other schools start offering. So my point of that is you might look at the offer list and say, ah, oh, it's not a great offer list, it, but it's really early in his recruitment. And like his dad said, I, I do anticipate that a lot of schools are going to have interest in him. Uh, but right now it feels like Baylor's in a great position to uh, lock him into this 2025 class as he's obviously already committed. So a couple things on him. He's a four-star prospect. That's great to see. Um, we saw this similar situation with Austin Novosad. He's kind of like a rising prospect. So he's a four-star guy right now. I think he could rise even higher than that. Uh, at Baylor camp <clears throat> over the weekend, he measured 6'4 and a half, 188 pounds, ran a 4.8140 time, had a 10-1 broad jump, and a 33 and a half inch vertical. So very good athlete. I think an underrated athlete probably is how I would frame that. Uh, now, as far as what he can do on the field, uh, 2,823 yards and 36 touchdowns with only four interceptions as a sophomore. Uh, he completed 72% of his passes. Really, really good, but it doesn't stop there. He was also great as a freshman. Threw for 2,400 yards, 28 touchdowns while completing 68% of his passes. I think the key thing for me here is that completion percentage because, you know, if you go back to the guys that Baylor took in previous classes, um, when you look at Kyron Drones, Jacob Zeno, Gary Bohannon, like these were guys, and even Blake Shapin, these were guys who didn't have elite completion percentages at the high school level. But now you're starting to see them turning a corner a little bit. Austin Novosad was at 64.5%, Nate Bennett 61.1%, and then Sora Robertson was at 64.5% completion percentage. So I think you're seeing a shift there by the Baylor staff. And then I think the other part that you're seeing is a shift with size bringing in Sora Robertson, who's over 6'4", and then looking at uh, Schobel and finding another 
another guy that's over 6'4". I think they would like to find guys that have that kind of height and size to develop and mold them. Um, Not saying it's a requirement. Nate Band is obviously not 6'4", but I do think it's something that is a bonus and something that they are looking for going forward, and it's becoming pretty evident with these two most recent, or two of the three most recent additions being, you know, 6'4 plus. So I find that really intriguing. But again, very good quarterback, can make all the throws, plays in offense that I think does, um, you know, kind of lend itself very well to producing at the next level. Uh, His offense does have some pro-style schemes to it while also being spread heavy. Um, But he can make a lot of the throws I think he's going to be asked to make at Baylor. So you've got what Sawyer Robertson ended up being your 2023 quarterback because of uh, the Austin Novosad situation. And pretty soon, hopefully, we can just not even mention him by name anymore. No disrespect personally, but just we can move on from, from him entirely. Um, they have, and Sawyer Robertson ended up being your guy out of the transfer portal. Uh, then you look at the 2024 class, and then there's Nate Bennett, uh, who, you know, we, we know the situation there uh, from uh, California, but moved around a lot. A um, lot of, you know, still wonder, I think, about him and what he's going to morph into and, and all of that, but he ends up being their guy for the 24 class. He's fired up. His family was uh, awesome about it, and, and you know, I think that's what's been really cool to see about two of the latest pledges, just how fired up the, mm-hmm. the families are and excited they are and how respectful they are and how much they seem to really, um, you know, show that respect back and, and have that respect and love for the coaching staff. I mean, that's that's been very clear in, in listening to these last couple of pledges, but uh, Nate Bennett there, and now for 24 you've got – uh, the latest commit here with uh, Adam Schobel. So seems like they've gotten their ducks back in a row as far as quarterback position goes. And uh, again, you got to hold on to Schobel and you got to hold on to Bennett for that matter too. But um, yeah, it's been good to see them kind of get things back in order and kind of have a, a line that's developed once again at the quarterback spot so you can kind of uh, figure out what's what's going on numbers-wise, and and have a clear picture of the future. Definitely, and I think it's great for Baylor fans as well because I I think there was a lot of kind of uh, bad reactions, I would say, Mm -hmm. to just missing out on quarterbacks. I I don't think that they viewed Nate Bennett as being a priority, a lot of people on, you know, fans. Um, So to see Schobel, a guy who this early being a four-star, I think it raises some intrigue um definitely but yeah i think it's a good start for sure sean bell jeff grimes the entire staff they needed this they needed to land a guy like this have their guy cemented even though it's early you need to build up that positive momentum at the quarterback position just because you know it's kind of hasn't been there the last couple years so that wise yeah so there you go so quarterback taken care of uh for now and hopefully period moving forward uh, with Adam Schobel now uh, as far as the rest of the weekend goes uh, official visits first weekend for that also first weekend for camps as you mentioned I brought up a lot of the 25 and 26 offers that were going out but can you just kind of give us a summary of uh, what to know what's what coming out of the weekend I'm sure there's probably folks that thought where's you know more commitments or more offers or more this or more that um just sort of summarize for us what uh, we all know coming out of these past few days yeah so let's start with the official visit weekend then i'll dive in a little bit to the camps not a ton but the official visit weekend was an interesting one and it's one where there weren't a lot of prospects on campus only six two were commits including nate bennett who you mentioned earlier and mason dossett so those are two very recent commits that ended up taking their official visit this past weekend and then four guys who i view as high priority targets for the baylor staff uh, all four of them are either high three-star or four-star prospects uh, with josh lair alex foster braylon russell and kwan lacy um I think Baylor off of this weekend, you know, we mentioned a few weeks ago that guys like Casey Poe and Miles Davis, they dropped Baylor out of their recruitment just because, you know, they weren't feeling the same vibe from the program. They didn't love kind of, you know, what they saw recently compared to the other schools that were in their top group of schools. And I think a lot of people freaked out about that. But I think this weekend got things back on track. A lot of positive reactions, a lot of just talking about how this coaching staff is the real deal and how they're so just everything about them is genuine. And I think the players see that. um, And these recruits definitely saw it over the weekend. They got to see it from the players as well with their hosts. Um, They got to do a lot of the normal things on an official visit, but 
with there only being six guys there, it really, I think, felt very personal. You know, they got to talk to every coach. They got tons of time with every coach, with Dave Aranda, with their position coach, with the coordinators. And I think all of that meant a whole lot to each prospect and their families. I think coming out of the weekend, uh, Baylor's in a much better position with all four of these guys who aren't committed um, than they were going in. The question is, are you able to close the deal going forward? And a lot of times it gets a little risky when you have an official visit and then you wait some time and these guys go and take other official visits. And it's like, okay, do they still remember that visit that they were just on? That's going to be something that Baylor's going to be fighting because all of these guys have remaining visits coming up. But I think the one where they took the biggest step forward was with Braylon Russell, uh, the running back out of Benton, Arkansas. A guy who everyone thinks is going to go to Arkansas, and I think that would be the safe bet, right? I mean, kids from Arkansas usually go to Arkansas, but this guy is just different. He measured in at 252 pounds, but he still runs a 4-4. Like, when you watch his film, he moves so quickly. He hits the hole so fast. It's like, wow, he's the perfect fit for this RVO scheme, for the wide zone scheme. And at that size, I mean, no one's going to want to tackle him ever. I mean, at that, at that, with that kind of frame, um, I didn't think he would weigh that much, but that's Derrick Henry type size. And so he's the guy who I'm definitely intrigued by and a guy who I think Baylor made up a lot of ground with, he and his family. And I think going forward, that's going to be a very interesting one to watch as he's got a decision coming up in a month, July 14th. He still has a few more visits coming up. Um, But outside of that, these other guys, they made up ground. The question is how much ground and to the point where they're going to get commits, maybe. um, But we'll kind of see on that. Uh, Also, just kind of official visit-wise, they have another one coming up next weekend as well uh, that's going to have a few more guys. It's going to be like eight prospects on campus as well. So I don't know if you want to dive into that, if you want me to talk about camps a little bit or where you want to go from here, Craig. Uh, well, first of all, did we mention the Bryson Washington-Adam Schobel connection? No. Well, you brought up Bryson Washington, Baylor's freshman running back who they're expecting big things out of. It was him scoring a touchdown in the very last second of the state semifinals that beat Adam Schobel and his father and Columbus uh, in the playoffs uh, just a year ago, last December. Uh, So, yeah, uh, they have uh, run into each other, and when we talked to his dad, I forgot about that, but he mentioned Bryson Washington. I think that's kind of a sore spot, obviously, Mm -hmm. when the guy scored a touchdown in the state semifinals at the last second to beat you. But, yeah, yeah, they're now on paper scheduled to be teammates. So, funny how the world works, but... (laughs) Uh, when I heard you mention Bryson's name, that that registered with me again. Of like, oh yeah, there's that little note on Adam Schobel. So um, yeah, let's go ahead. I guess uh, before we get into uh, a little another uh, roster note that is it's definitely um, something that was unexpected. It's fine. It'll be fine. But it was unexpected news that dropped last night. Let's go ahead and, and touch while we're in this area of recruiting the uh, the remainder of what's going on here on the horizon and and what fans can expect. Right, so this weekend they have another official visit. This is the second of three in a row. Um, So they'll have another one coming up uh, the 23rd through 25th. But this next weekend you're going to have multiple commits with Jaden Porter, Brock Jackson, Graydon Grimes. All three of them will be on campus. Uh, For this visit weekend, there'll be a few more guys as well. A lot of defensive-focused targets as well. We're not going to dive too deep into the specific names. You can get that on the premium side. But in general, this group feels like more of a group where you could have commitments coming off of the weekend. The last group felt like these guys have a lot more visits. They're all these highly rated four-star type prospects that are probably going to take more time. But going into this weekend, I feel pretty good that they'll come out of the weekend with a commit um, or two. We'll see what happens there, but definitely intrigued by it. A few more prospects, like I said, about eight, I think will be there uh, over the weekend. Uh, I did want to mention one thing about camps. They put out a bunch of offers. It was like all 2025 and 2026 offers, but As I did a little more research, did a deep dive a little bit, there was a defensive lineman that was there that I believe was a Juco prospect. And Baylor seemed really interested in him. They were looking and talking to him a lot. And it made me think, okay, well, they don't have any roster spots. So why are they looking at Juco guys? How's that going to work? They didn't put out an offer. uh, But the reason I say that is because I think they're starting to get more intrigue in Juco's potentially transfers 
it's probably because of the news that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. But um, I found that to be rather interesting. Outside of that, the 2025-2026 guys seem to be the focus, at least in this first camp. Um, they put out like eight offers, lots of offers, lots of exciting ones, and, and good ones to talk about uh, going forward on the premium side. But they'll have more camps uh, the 17th, so next weekend, the weekend after that, and then at the end of July, they'll have another one. So there you go. There's a bit of a rapid-fire a pocket-sized roundup of what's going on as far as camp season being fully underway. First one successful when you pull your 2025 quarterback in Adam Schobel, which is what they did. And now weekend number two upcoming. And uh, as you laid out, a couple more following that here in the very near future. So that's where we stand. And uh, as you mentioned, yeah, rather than going over every single offer that comes from these, uh, you know, these camps and uh, these visits uh, let's go ahead and, and direct you over to the premium side of Sikkim365.com and there you can really get into the the weeds on these guys and have discussions about them as prospects and where they fit and who they might be leaning to and the battle to come and all of those different things but uh, yeah good place to do all that and and check out all that information in one spot so uh, there's camps for you as, as best we can without getting too much into the uh, into the premium side of things uh but yeah let's go ahead and also now knock out the unexpected roster move that took place uh just last night as got home from the show and uh was just kind of sitting there looked at my phone for a second and see uh originally it was matt zenitz from on three uh who he he clearly has like a password to the transfer portal um and i thought that they kind of got rid of that like they they weeded that out because if you'll remember there there was like a bunch of guys who mm-hmm. seemed to have transfer portal passwords because only coaches are supposed to uh but somehow or another point being he just like popped that out of nowhere it's like and you know initially a couple of the responses I got were like I thought the portal was closed mm-hmm. well the portal's not closed you can enter the portal but with him being an undergraduate like any other undergraduate in order to play next year you had to jump in before the deadline, which has come and gone. So this is a post-deadline jump, meaning that barring some completely unforeseen waiver, that he or anybody else that jumps in at this point is not allowed to play next year. Unless you're a graduate. Unless, yeah. Which he's not. He's a redshirt junior, so yeah. I don't think that he is. Um, but if he is, then, hey, congrats, and he can play next year. But I don't think that he is. But that's the, the catch that I think some people were getting kind of uh, – uh, uh, they were stumbling on that. Like, what, what do you mean? I thought the portal was, was closed already. So, no, it's open, but you just you sacrificed that year of eligibility by not getting in earlier. So, anyways, I'm sitting there, and I see all of a sudden Matt Zenas's tweet pop, and it says, Baylor, whatever it said, defensive back A.J. McCarty has entered the transfer portal. And I'm paraphrasing there, but that was the information that was, was most important. You know, had some tackles, had a big pick six last year against Texas Tech and all of that. But this wasn't expected uh, in any way, shape, or form. Um, clearly, something went on behind the scenes, and, you know, that caused a change in plans for everybody involved. Uh, but, yeah, was not expecting to see A.J. McCarty entering the transfer portal in mid-June uh, when he's expected to be a pretty big contributor at the star position after making the move there this past spring, which was uh, widely talked about on our website. So um, your thoughts on the sudden departure of A.J. McCarty from all indications. This was a coach move, um, to be very clear on that. Uh, and, you know, Baylor's moving on, and that's really all there is to it. Uh, I will add that he has already picked up a couple of offers uh, because Zenith broke the news, and then, I, I don't know, it was like an hour later that he finally put out a, um, a, tw- a note of his own to, to announce that he was uh, leaving. He put out um, a little, you know, whatever the note message uh, mm-hmm. app on your phone is, like everybody does for their, their commits and all of that, and mentioned, you know, expressing his utmost gratitude to Baylor and everybody involved, talked about the memories and experiences that he'll cherish, and... Uh, that he's entering a new chapter and to stay tuned. So AJ comes out with that shortly after that, like five minutes later, uh, he's popping a Texas Tech offer. Uh, they obviously recruited him previously when they were at Baylor. 
Um, but that happened very quickly. And then Texas State, Baylor's first opponent of the year, uh, they offered him shortly after. So he was in the portal, and he's already got a couple of offers uh, in hand. But your thoughts on uh, A.J. McCarty no longer being a Baylor Bear and what that means moving forward? Yeah, this was a coach decision. So just to kind of make sure that that's put out there. And this was something where, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that we knew that it was going to be A.J. McCarty, but I did think that there was going to be something that was going to come down the pipeline just based on some of the things that I had heard this offseason, or at least during the summer. But I actually um, predicted this. Remember when I forgot A.J. McCarty was – I had predicted that he had transferred, and then you're like, he didn't transfer. Oh, yeah, yeah, you Remember did. Remember that? You do, I think – yeah, you, you added him to to our list, right, of Lorando Johnson, like all the yeah. defensive backs. Yeah, I, I, I mentioned that. him like it had happened, and it hadn't happened, and look now, it's <laughs> you weird. You spoke it into existence. Yeah. But, yeah, this was one of those things where he was uh, a part-time starter uh, in the spring, splitting time with Bryson Jackson at the star position. Um, but last year, if you remember, I mean, he just had a really, really bad season. I mean, just could not get his footing at the cornerback position, um, was really picked on in multiple games. And so this year they moved him to the star, gave him an opportunity to play a different style of football. And I think it would have benefited him for sure. Um, but obviously things didn't work out. Um, I, I just... Things did not work out. Let's just keep it at that. But, yeah, so now he's going to enter the portal. It seems like Texas Tech is probably going to take him. Um, I He's was be, visiting this weekend, apparently. Yeah, I, I think that's yeah. where he's going to end up is Tech. I have no idea if he's going to be immediately eligible, just like we talked about. I don't know if they're going to be able to either, A, find a waiver, or maybe he's taking online classes this summer to graduate, and maybe that counts. I don't know how that's going to work, but I would expect him to end up at Texas Tech right now. Now, on the Baylor side of things, um, first of all, this is a move that signifies that Dave Aranda is not messing around this year. That's just plain and simple. He is going to put his foot down when he needs to and make sure that this team understands kind of the expectations of the program, the culture of the program, and what they need to do to reach their goals. And anyone that gets in the way of that is simply not going to be a Baylor anymore, I don't think. And I think Keith learned that last year. We heard so many things about culture, so many things about leadership. And I think this year you're seeing a complete change in philosophies out of Dave Aranda, a guy who has proven time and time again he learns from his mistakes. And I think that's another, this is another example of that. And so that's kind of where I'm at looking at this whole decision. I think it's great for the health of the program. Um, regardless of what you think he brings to the field, um, this is good for the program if Dave Randall believes that they need to go in a different direction. Now, as far as on the field, you know, you're going to rely on these young guys. Alfonso Allen potentially could move to the star. You still have Bryson Jackson there, so his role might get even bigger. Uh, they have a lot more options, though. You know, Corey Gordon, maybe he moves up. Or Devin Lemire, maybe he moves up to the star position and really excels there. I could see that as well. Uh, but in general, I think they have options. I also think now they're going to look into the transfer portal. They're going to look into uh, JUCO prospects as well. Uh, because they have a little bit more room, and it gives them an opportunity to address you know, the safety position and the star position specifically uh, going forward while also potentially addressing other positions as well. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that's uh, unfortunate about this is just the timing of it all. Uh, you would like to have known this back in the springtime when there were a lot more cornerbacks, defensive backs in general that were occupying the transfer portal. Now it's two months until the season starts. Um, and you're dealing with a lot thinner ranks, so maybe, yeah, you look uh, a little bit uh, beyond your your normal borders to uh, to try and figure out a solution uh, that will help you out in time for uh, this upcoming season. But, uh, yeah, just, just an unexpected move, but I like that they're not playing any games and that they're just going to be swift with – um, you know, moving on if that's what needs to be done. And as you mentioned, and as Aranda mentioned, that was something he didn't do nearly enough last year. Um, there's a new policy in town, not a new sheriff, but the sheriff's got a new policy, and uh, I like it. I, I think that they probably wasted a lot of time and energy last year, and that's not to say anything about A.J. McCarty at all. Good luck to him. Uh, seems like we'll cross paths again, uh, but, you know, Miranda has to do what's best for his football team, and it appears that he did that. So now we uh, eye what could be uh, a new uh, defensive back, cornerback, uh, joining the fold here at some point. But for now, they're on the hunt to find said player. Uh, meanwhile, a note on Garmin Randolph that you wanted to bring up. I saw this as well this morning. Garmin uh, missed most of spring. Uh, one of their better players returning. 
Um, the outside linebacker, I guess Jack, uh, to be more specific, a uh, veteran who's uh, got a lot of ability, uh, never has put it all together, it seems like. I mean, where you're, like, operating at 100% power. flashes, yeah. You know, you get little flickers of it, but uh, certainly if he's going to, you know, pop out and, and show the full full meal deal, this would be the year to do it, and that got interrupted at least a little bit in the, the run-up as he was out during spring ball, uh, A, because of an injury, but B, because of uh, off-the-field trouble um, that we've documented and, uh, you know, got a got a DUI uh, a couple months back. That's public knowledge, uh, and he was suspended by Dave Aranda. Uh, but now, uh, a little bit of a positive update, and you know what? It's, it's great because... We probably were going to ask Aranda around media days, but not really a whole lot of opportunities to sort of check in other than just, you know, I guess delving into sources and whatnot. But it is the summertime, so nice little surprise that popped up on us today. This was something that I had heard a little bit about, but couldn't get any confirmation on or anything like that, but that he'd been back working out with the team, and that was a great sign, a great step forward. But we finally got more public confirmation on that when he was posted on the BU Football Strength and Conditioning. He was one of the the leaders of the day. He led the group at the outside linebacker position. So him being announced there shows he is working out. He's back with the team, uh, and that's great to see because he is a guy that we're expecting big things from. You know, you and I have talked about him a lot, and I think from a pass rushing perspective he's a guy who definitely has some upside there uh, for this Baylor team going into next year him and Byron Vaughns are going to shoulder a lot of that load at the jack position and they need him they need playmakers like this and Garmin is definitely that he's definitely a playmaker who has shown some major flashes of big playability uh, for this defense so really happy for him happy to see him kind of back in the fold working out with the team being with the team and I think that's a great sign of positive stuff going forward and I think we should expect him to be back at full strength for uh, fall camp and back ready to go yeah great to see him working out involved and that you know, clearly means that he's he's back in the mix and uh, is gearing up like everybody else for next season. And uh, certainly, they're going to need him. Uh, they need his his star power, just his ability overall. I saw there was an article over the weekend about star power. I had brought that up previously, and and Travis wrote a piece about that. And um, you can check that out along with uh, you know my articles, Grayson's articles, everybody who writes for the the website. Uh, you can check that out over on, on Sikkim365.com. And, you know, there was a, a debate, I guess, about, the, you know, star power and all of that. I'll tell you, man, uh, he's somebody that can provide it um, at his full potential. But also, we received our Big 12 media ballots uh, for media days coming up here in mid-July, which we're almost nearly exactly a month away from at this point. I think, is it the 15th, the 14th, 15th, 14th something like yeah. that? So we're right on it a month out from that. But I got that ballot in my email, and I started to just loosely fill it out, and I'm going to circle back around, and I'll probably do it a couple times before now and, you know, actually turning it in. Got to tell you, man, brought up the lack of star power thing, and that's fine. I know there's a whole debate on the article and, like, the the forums about, mm-hmm. you know, what you need, what you don't need. But regardless of where you stand on it, I had a hard time coming up with a Baylor preseason selection, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, this I, isn't like a second and third team thing either, because that would have been easy. I could have found plenty of people to fill in. But you add in four new teams mm-hmm. on top of what a lot of other teams have you know, returning. You have a hard time finding a Baylor player that you're fully confident in placing on that preseason list. So... Mm-hmm. They, they, whether you think it's, it's imperative or not, they have a serious lack of star power or at least the level of, like, that guy's definitely first-team All-Big 12 or that guy will be a candidate for first-team All-Big 12. That's not really the case anywhere you look. And so they're going to need some guys to step up, and I think that he's one of those first guys you look towards with all of his experience, as long as he's been around, the number of games that he's played in, situation he's been in, um, they need him. They need him to, to be a leader and, and to be a, a, a standout. And so uh, hopefully he's on the track back to doing that. Yeah, I think the thing with Baylor and star power has a lot to do with the amount of transfers they brought in and the Could, fact that yeah. we haven't really seen it from these transfers. But I think when you look at you know that combo of Garmin Randolph and Byron Vaughns, who Byron Vaughns graded out as a, a top 10. If you put what he did last year into the Big 12, he's a top 10 defense lineman in the Big 12, top 
I think he was number six, according to PFF. So he's a guy to focus on for sure. Garmin Randolph, of course, is another. And I just think in general, these transfers, like you look at Clark Barrington, Campbell Barrington, like I don't think people know what to expect from those guys. And that also ties into Dominic Richardson. Like what if he gets all the carries in this backfield? He's going to run for like 1,500 yards and 20 touchdowns. Now, do we expect that? No, he's going to split time with Richard Reese, Bryson Washington. But then you look at like Keytron Jackson. What if he takes off, has a big year, him and Monterey Baldwin? So I think that's another big part of it is that we haven't seen a lot of these guys. So there's a perceived, more of a perceived lack of star power than yes. I think there actually is. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you on that. But when you're doing a preseason team, you're not really doing it off what if. like mm-hmm. Keetron, And, and yeah. I'm not going to put Keetron Jackson over Xavier Worthy and, you know, yeah. um, Phillip Brooks and, you know, any number of other wide receivers in the league. I, I did think I think I put Gabe Hall I think I might have had him on there, so that might have been my one Baylor guy. But outside of that, like, yeah, I mean, the Barrington brothers, you you like them on paper, but you're not putting them over any of, like, Kelvin Banks and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, a BB at, at K-State, Cooper BB. Um, there's a lot of proven guys that are coming back. So, yeah, it, part I of it's just— I think you can make that argument, though. Clark's been an All-American in his Cooper conference. Cooper BB's an All-American, period. Yeah. But, but it's offense lineman. You don't have to put no, one I, I get center. That, so but, what I'm saying is, is, like, you look at accolades— Clark might be higher than guys that are currently on that list. Just saying based on what they've done during their college career. He is proven. He's just not proven at Baylor and at sure. the, in the Big 12. So I understand your point. And yeah, Gabe Paul, TJ Franklin are probably the two mm-hmm. guys that you would look to and say, hey, like I can definitely see a world where that happens. But the problem is we've never seen them play a whole season at an all Big 12 level. So we're all still projecting on that. But I understand. I definitely understand it. I definitely understand why people probably aren't going to have any Baylor player mm-hmm. on these lists by the time we get to media days. Uh, but I think I'll probably have a couple. Yeah, I'm, I mean, like I've got one, uh, like I said, and uh, you know, I might debate. On, like I, I said earlier, I'm going to circle back around to it a couple times, fill in missing spots. But yeah, um, I just I don't have the the proof in the pudding, and I don't think other people do. So that'll be something that either jumps up and is a huge surprise to people and benefits them and works in their favor, or it's kind of as it appears and it's not you know, like some diamond in the rough group of mm-hmm. incoming guys that, you know, solve all the problems. But, you know, there will be a lot of fascinating let's find out going on moments uh, here in this upcoming season between the plethora of, of newcomers and uh, just the, the changes made behind the scenes. But, yeah, when you look on paper, um, that's a, that's another just kind of indicator of sort of they're just sort of there uh, in a lot of ways, and, and I think that's why it's going to be really important that, you know, one, we get to the season, but when we get there, man, they it, they really need to make a bit of a, a bit of an impact, I think, just for all involved to feel to feel some of that, that buzz and that energy. Yeah, I'm just curious, who who'd you have as offense player of the year, defense player and newcomer? Who who did you vote for those? Um, newcomer of the year, I said Isaiah Nayor at Texas. Does he count even though he was there last year? Just since I think so. Play. He didn't play. Okay. I mean, if he doesn't, then that'll be news to me, but he didn't play. So mm-hmm. I'd say he'd be the newcomer of the year. Um, and who did I debate on? There was a couple of other guys. And like I said, this isn't final. This was me yeah. literally not even studying. This was just me riffing off the mm-hmm. top of my head. Uh, so I had him as uh, Isaiah Nayor's newcomer of the year, but there's somebody else. Um, another couple people that JoJo I was. JoJo Earl. JoJo Earl was another one, one that I was thinking about. I think Keytron could fit that. I do. He could. He but, could. But, you know, but I understand. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll trust Quinn Ewers right now over Blake Shapin mm-hmm. and just what they have in to, in total mm-hmm. versus. Dykes at TCU. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely understand that. I was curious on, on that offense player of the year. Do you know who you have there yet? I haven't settled on that, and okay. I didn't want to just go the easy route, which probably a lot of people will, and go like Quinn Ewers right away. Um, you know, obviously thought about Will Howard some, um, and – uh, who else did I debate on? There were a couple of other guys. Jalen Daniels? That's who I was going to. Yeah, I thought about Jalen Daniels. For me, it's either going to be him or I th- think it'll either be him or Will Howard. For me. Yeah. Just kind of where I was at. So I've got that blank right now. Okay. Um, but that'll be probably one of those guys or like Quinn Ewers. And then Defensive Player of the Year, and this was just totally just riffing. I had Jade Barron of uh, Texas, wow, the okay. defensive back. Former uh, Baylor. Yep, signee. former Baylor signee. Yeah. Um, he would have been good to have, mm-hmm. especially this year. <laughs> Uh, but I think he's a playmaker, and he's pretty dang good. Now, how often do we hear him? Because how often do people go after him? Yeah. That's where that pick could change for me because 
that creeps into my head and I go, well, is he going to be able to make enough of an impact? But he's definitely first team all Big 12 for me, Mm -hmm. and I put him down as my defensive player of the year. But I've already got that set up as a segment to do when we're in Arlington and we actually have our full list done. But, yeah, Yeah. that was just off the top of my head um, what I had. Yeah, I think I think right now my initial thought was Danny Stutzman for my defense player of the year. I think he's got really? a big year for Oklahoma. And Oklahoma fans are torn on him, buddy. I know they are. He, <laughs> he's, I, I, yeah, I really like him, though. Baylor um, legacy, too. Yeah, he is. And Desan McCullough is another one who transferred mm-hmm. there. I just think OU is going to have some difference makers finally on defense, I think, this year. There's a couple other guys. I know people love Ethan Downs there. And then, of course, Jade Barron, who you mentioned, um, but I also think this is a weird year where on the defensive side of the ball, there's a lot of talent leaving the conference. And Everybody got drafted. That was a yeah, superstar. Yeah, so there's a lot of shifting of the guard. I think we're going to see a lot of new names. Probably It's probably going to be hard to, to honestly narrow that down by the end of it. Yeah, um, and you know I could go over. I think I've got one DB left to put in there, one O-lineman left to put in there, which I, I don't know. It could be a Barrington brother. Um, and then I got to do special teams and offensive player of the year, but everything else I sort of filled in. And that's why I was, I, you know, when it comes to Barrington, I understand what he did elsewhere, but you know, Kelvin Banks, obviously at Texas is a huge prospect. Cooper Beebe was pure real deal. All American last year. He's mm-hmm. like the biggest star in the big 12 that's returning this year. As far as actual accolades go, yeah. he's like, I think maybe the only all American that's coming back. Uh, KT Leviston from Midway at K state. Huge tackle coming back. That's another one you're like, where? how did he not end up at? I don't even know if they really recruited him yeah. uh, under Matt Rule, which is, is weird. Um, Zach Frazier at West Virginia, big time. I mean, he might be the only West Virginia guy on my list. Uh, as of, He definitely is as of right now. Um, and, yeah. Nowitzki at Kansas. And that, and that could be my fifth guy, yeah. He's he's. So there's there's w- why there's no – yeah. So yeah. there's why there's no Barrington brother and – um, I think the one now that I'm kind of toying with is T.J. Franklin over Gabe Hall or vice versa. He but, had the better spring. Yeah, I know. He had the huge spring, so definitely something then, to keep an eye on. Alfred Collins, you got uh, Hutchings at Tech, uh, you got uh, Corleone at Cincinnati. Like, here's the thing. Byron Murphy at Texas. Byron Murphy at Texas. Here's the thing. You start going through it, and then you go, oh, S, Cincinnati, and BYU, and UCF, UCF <laughs> and Houston, and where do those guys go? Yep. And that's that all of a sudden you go, oh, wait, there's a lot fewer spots, and you realize you got to have some representation there. So, like, since he, with Dante Corleone, that was kind of easy to, to pluck mm-hmm. him in there. But, yeah, man, four teams makes it a lot more difficult, and that's that's fewer and further between for, uh, for Baylor guys to jump in there, so... Yeah. Anyways, that's uh, something we can talk about again here in about a month when we get the the list fully done, and then actually see who everybody voted on, and that will be released. Um, what pretty much right at the media start of days. media days, mm-hmm. uh, like day one, I think that they put but we that have out. To turn ours in next week, so maybe I'll fill mine out, and we can go through it a little okay. bit more. Yeah, I need to just look through special teams and get one more DB in there, and I think I'm I'm good to go. And then the offensive lineman that you mentioned will probably be my, my missing piece there. So an offensive player of the year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Offensive, who'd you say you'd go with? Jalen Daniels. Jalen Daniels. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. So that's the kind of fun we can start having is actually talking about real deal awards and performances and all of that. And a lot of the offseason stuff is fun, but that stuff's a lot of fun too. So one more note before we get into the mailbag. Jalen Bridges, still no decision from him on the men's basketball front. That is the one missing piece remaining from uh, the puzzle that Scott Drew is attempting to put together. We know that they've been very active in the portal already, and uh, now just the uh, the decision as the NBA season wrapped up last night with the Nuggets winning the title, got the draft coming up here in a couple of weeks. Your thoughts on where we sit with, uh, D- uh, with uh, Jalen Bridges and his big decision? I still think this decision is coming soon. I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. I think maybe later on this week we might hear something, but I am. It, it's getting a little weird that it's taking this long. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on, I think, going forward. But I do feel, I feel like they're in a good position to bring him back. Again, I think this was the priority the whole time, but they brought in other guys as potentially insurance, but also to add more talent to the roster. But I think in general, they always wanted Jalen Bridges back. And I think ultimately Bridges is going to see that coming back to Baylor is the better thing for him, and it's the better opportunity for him to increase his draft stock as well. Um, So we're just waiting on it. Baylor basketball definitely needs him to uh, return if they want to reach their 
I think, expectations for this season. Yeah, uh, and where do they pivot if he decides that he's not in the mix any longer and he's going to go play down under for yeah. a year uh, or several years, whatever the case may be for him? That's That's the other side of the equation and the one that I think everybody's hoping to avoid here. Right. I will say, though, it's it's interesting because even over the last couple of days, we're seeing high-impact guys enter the portal. It's the weirdest thing I've seen, really, that you're seeing – you're still seeing guys enter this late in the process, but I guess you can still do that. So, I mean, there might be some other names that end up popping out if he does uh, indeed decide to leave. But I think he'll be back. Baylor will still have, I think, a roster spot or two open, but I don't think they're going to fill all of them this year i think they're pretty satisfied with the group they have if they get bridges back and with that uh i don't know if they can hear the fire truck or not <laughs> over the can you can you think can they hear that i don't know but uh it's almost like very timely like all right yeah. guys let's get to the mailbag, mailbag. it's like an alarm setting off here um so thank you to the waco fire department but um yes let's now get into the mailbag as we continue to await Jalen bridges decision and let's start off with scotty b have you seen any worse way to lose in any sport than texas baseball losing the ball on the lights against stanford in a walk-off win for those that missed it super regionals last night out in uh, california and palo alto stanford hosting texas in game three winner moves on to the college world series and uh, man stanford hits a Routine fly ball to a shallow center field. Um, and, you know, it was the second baseman and the right fielder and the center fielder all come, uh, you know, sort of, I guess, ball hits up in the air. Stanford notorious for that time of day, it being hard to see just because of the marine lights. layer and the lights and the haze and the, just the way all of it comes together. So if you watch the AM series there, you saw AM have some trouble with this. And sure enough, Pop fly should have been the final out uh, to keep the game going, and instead Texas players converge in a general spot but can't locate the ball. It drops. Stanford scores. They walk it off in excruciating fashion if you're a Longhorn fan, in exhilarating fashion if you're a Cardinal fan, and uh, that's all she wrote for UT this year. So TCU, the lone representative for the Big 12 in Omaha, uh, playing for a national title now as their superb year continues on. Um, have I seen any worse way to lose than that? I mean, I had some things immediately pop into my head of just, like, close calls, but, I mean, so, a mistake like that, that's not really a mistake on the player's part. It's just unfortunate, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a hard time coming up with one right on the right here, you know, as you ask me. Do you have one in mind? I mean... Because that was pretty brutal. I mean, that was pretty brutal. I think the Auburn-Alabama game, okay, that yeah. field goal and it being returned to, what, 109 yards? That's, yeah, that's bigger. That one was like, what is happening? I remember earlier, that same year, Auburn just had the craziest year that year. If, if people go back and remember, they also had one where, I think as time expired, they threw a pass and it hit a Georgia player mm-hmm. right in the chest, bounced over him, and then their guy caught it for a touchdown, and that won in them stride. that game that same year. Um, so that, that was one that I was thinking of obviously it didn't impact me but you know as far as just bad ways to lose I mean kicking a field goal to win like you're literally sitting there thinking you're going to win this game the last thing you're thinking is how in the world could we possibly lose that's one Michigan Michigan State on the blocked punt uh when they were up all they had to do is punt the football and they won and they couldn't get the punt off it was returned for a touchdown Michigan State win so there, there's some bad ones I mean like there's I been just, some bad ones. I, I mean, the, the Alabama thing was definitely a miscalculation by Saban. That was a mistake. But this was like, I mean, you didn't even have an opportunity to tackle the guy. Like, at least Alabama had a chance to, like, make a play. This was yeah. just like the ball gets lost and it drops right in front of you, and that's the game. You yeah. know what I mean? It was just it was just a different type of brutal. I mean, Houston, NC State, you know, the, the oh, lob yeah. at the rim. Yeah. Like, there's some yeah. – cra- I mean, it's hard for me to say that this one is the worst. I understand that it's, like, the most instant. Yeah, like, I'm not trying over. to make it all time. Yeah. It's just that the, it just happened last night, and the fact oh. of just the way that it happened, of just a ball dropping, I mean, and watch – the Texas players, as they see, they're looking and they're looking and they can't find it. And then that thing just plops down and they realize, oh, my God, like we just lost this game and the season's over with. And so, yeah, it was, it was brutal. Bad. It was brutal, Scotty. Alpha Needle, which football season would you rather have? 12-2, and two, win the Big 12 title, beat number three team in the SEC in the Sugar Bowl, which was Baylor a couple years ago. 13-2, and two, don't win the Big 12. 
You do beat the Big Ten champ in the playoffs, but you get truck rolled in the national title, talking about TCU, of course. Uh, I still go TCU. You won a playoff game, and you played for a national title. It was all-time embarrassing, and it's going to be hard to kind of shake that off, but you can by going back to the playoff and just winning. Um, you know, in the moment, I asked that question on Twitter, mm-hmm. and, like, it's Twitter, and, I don't know. It was just a bizarre reaction of like, it's not like a super serious question. It's not like I'm putting a gun to your head and tell me who's better. It was just like a general vague, like, man, they're getting really destroyed and this like has a stink on it. But then once the game ends, you realize after an embarrassing blowout, like they still accomplished a great deal. So yeah, I still say TCU had the better year, but uh, how about you? So after Baylor went to the Sugar Bowl after that 2021 season, I remember listening to podcasts, listening to college football, you know, people having their show and hardly ever mentioning Baylor Mm -hmm. the next year. This year, everyone's talking about TCU because it's like, who can be the next TCU? How do you how do you do this? How can you shape a roster to fit, you know, what TCU did? Can we see another, you know, team outside the blue chip ratio get into the national championship, potentially win it like all these things, all these conversations just because TCU made it to the game. Um, and really, I haven't heard many people talk about what ultimately happened. Uh, but in general, they're getting talked about. They're getting a lot of media attention. And for that reason, I think I would go with that one as well. But I, I must admit, you know, the fact that you don't win a Big 12 championship in that situation is that's tough. That is tough because that is something that you definitely want bragging rights for. Um, but ultimately, making it to a national championship game should be the goal and is the goal. Yeah, and they won a Fiesta Bowl too. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so it wasn't it was a Fiesta right that they played yeah, in. They beat Michigan. I mean, that's yeah. a great win. No, yeah, I yeah. just couldn't remember if it was that bowl game or not. But yeah, that's a that's a huge win. You can say you're one of very few teams to win a playoff. You're the only Big Twelve team to win a playoff game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that the exposure far outweighed that just really bad showing. Um, and, you know, when I proposed that question, had a complete what a stupid question, man. It's like, okay, well, you're taking it too serious. And then I had a guy go, you know what? I think the exposure outweighs the embarrassment. I was like, thank you. That's a legitimate yeah. answer, and that's exactly what you just said. And it's like, yeah, that, that makes sense, and that's a great answer, and that's why, yeah, you'd still take TCU season. And uh, and that's, that's precisely why. So, yeah, still go with them, uh, although that was a great year for Baylor. And, and, you know, I don't think that you – really think too much about trading that because of the the couple of trophies that you collected. How does communication of potential NIL distributions work during recruiting? I assume this cannot be offered from the school, so is there a rep from GXG present uh, present during the on-campus visits last weekend to make proposals to each recruit? No, and I I think that this process does kind of work hand-in-hand school and NIL. I I think that that's kind of more how this works. I have no idea if there was someone present on campus offering people NIL. I I don't know about that, but I know it was definitely talked about amongst the staff and amongst the players and um, things like that. But I I, communication process, I think that does work more through, you know, the coaches trying to figure out how this works um, for their program and then also how does it work for their various recruits. Um, I think that's more how this works. I don't think like GXG is the primary um, ones going out and offering these things because simply they don't even know what the coaching staff would necessarily want. Like they got to get that all figured out as well because they don't make the decisions on who gets the money and who doesn't. Yeah, I don't think they have like a welcome tent set up like, hey, stop by and let's discuss (laughs) numbers. I I think it's a little bit more... um, laid back than that. Um, I can't can't really find the right word. I don't think it's in your face like that as far as the, the NIL piece. It's talked about, but it's not like what you're – it's like, you know, not what you're saying, yeah. right? Like where it's in your face about it. It is talked about because, you know, recruits are super interested in that. Yeah, I'd imagine that's something that just, you know, as you're talking with coaches and you're getting a little bit deeper into the conversations, that gets brought up, and then maybe that's at that point you're like, all right, so what are we talking about? And then it goes from there. But, yeah, it's not uh, – it's not, you know, super in your face by any means. Uh, Flomo Mike, I need some good summer reading material. Do you have any suggestions for interesting people to follow on Twitter, sports, entertainment, etc.? Uh, I, I don't really use Twitter that much for, I mean, I guess for sports, some not much for entertainment, but sports. at Craig Smoke on yeah. Twitter. Uh, <laughs> at there, Craig you Grunhafer, there you go. Those are those are two good ones. Um, I follow like uh, fantasy football if you're into that. Uh, Alex Caruso is a good follow fantasy footballers Mike the hitman right like I like fantasy football a lot um 
you know, as far as sources, you know, Dennis Dodd, he's been posting a lot. Pete Thamel. Like, I was trying to think, man. It's like it depends. It really depends on what you're into, you know. Yeah. Um, News or are you into opinions? Yeah. Or? It's it really it's uh it's it's a mixed bag Twitter it's a it's a weird deal so it, I don't I don't really know I don't have anybody like go follow Bill Simmons or you know I yeah. I don't know you might not like basketball so that would be a pointless follow um so and and really I just don't think it's got the the kind of funny like humorous accounts that used to stand out that stand out anymore yeah I agree there's there's just there's kind of a missing element there where you'd be like oh that's a hilarious account to follow like I don't think that's really you know what I mean <laughs> yeah, though I do I don't think that's really the case anymore everybody's just kind of there and then I don't I don't know there's just not standouts uh as much as there there seem to be so I'm having a hard time coming up with like a great suggestion for you so Flomo Mike we're failing you hopefully somebody in the the chat room or uh, in the follow-up replies can can give you better suggestions but I just say, like, whatever you like, like, peg a couple people from that, and then you'll get recommendations. Yeah. Trust me, you'll get recommendations <laughs> from Twitter inundating you with what they think you'll like, and, and that that could help you sort through and, and give you some great suggestions. Osos Del Rio Brazos, without going into too much detail, was A.J. McCarty a part of the culture problem last year, or was his dismissal a completely new development? Uh, not a completely new development, but I, I don't like to – I don't want to reach it that far to – what happened last year. I think in general, a lot of people were part of the culture problem last year. I think it, it was very evident. I mean, Dave Randa mentioned it. I think Dave Randa felt like he was part of the culture problem, which is, you know, kind of what is, you know, kind of, I think what is changing his perspective on it, right. As far as being a head coach and like what he needs to do to make sure that there are no culture problems this year. Um, so I'm not going to put, you know, that on AJ McCarty, but it's def it's not a new development either though. Uh, hopefully that answers your question, and, and yeah, I think that, um, yeah, it would be unfair to say like, yeah, that was AJ McCarty, you know, yeah. yeah, no, I think it was just a combination of just a lot of little things adding up, mm -hmm. and then maybe some big things sprinkled in, but just in general, yeah, he's, you know, um, uh, another symptom of just kind of you know what was going on, and and yeah, Rand has addressed all of that, so, um. Yeah, uh, not a completely new development, but it wouldn't put a lot of the, the weight on him for, for last year by any means. Are we expecting a scholarship to get filled by a transfer for 2023? Um, maybe a transfer, maybe a JUCO addition. That's kind of what I'm thinking they'll use for the roster spot. They won't leave it empty, though. So, yeah, they're, they're going to have to add from somewhere. Thank you, Osos. And uh, Bear Sack, mid-June projection, where do you think the 24 recruiting class will rank at the end of the year? Um, I'll go with... 32 I think that's kind of where I'm at they'll be in the the, the low 30 somewhere between 30 and 35 I'll, I'll I think I'll stick with 32 for now um they're gonna have to land some big fish if they want to land higher than that and I, I just I don't know if they'll land enough especially because I don't think this class is going to be massive and I, I think for Baylor to get inside like the top 20 they really would need this to be like a full 26 27 uh person class and that that's not what this one's going to be all right, so uh, that'll do it for the mailbag this week and for the show this week. I uh, do appreciate Scotty and Alpha and Mike and Osos and Bearsack for your questions in the mailbag. And Flomo Mike, uh, I'm sure if you propose that question, if you haven't already, on the board, there are going to be a number of people that can help you out with uh, suggestions on Twitter follows. Um, but... Um, yeah, I just don't have any have any great ones in mind because it's kind of a, a, a different Twitter than I used to spend far more time on back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, but do appreciate your question as well as everybody else. And a uh, big week, Adam Schobel, the new quarterback commit. Um, more camp visits and recruiting coming up here over the next few weekends as we outline. So stay tuned to Sikkim365.com for all the information and potential breaking news and offer reports and uh, maybe even some commitments as well but Grayson before we head out anything here man no just uh, be sure to follow Sikkim 365 premium side we have a lot of content coming up recruiting official visits continue football uh, you know going through summer workouts right now and then of course Monday through Friday 3 to 6 uh, 365 sports on YouTube with Craig Smokey and Paul thank you to Jack McKenzie and also Graham behind the scenes as well. And, uh, we will talk to you at three o'clock or talk to you the next time that, uh, you pop this podcast on, uh, we'll be with you live on the YouTube show, uh, next 
Tuesday at right around noon, and of course uh, Monday through Friday, right at three o'clock every single week. So appreciate you, and uh, we will talk to you next week. It's been the Bearcast on Sikkim365.com.